Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the FT Money Show. Brought to you by Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent from FT Money and I'm here with my colleagues Steve Lodge. Hello. And Richard Anderson from Investors Chronicle. Hello. Good to see you both uh, again, the full lineup uh, this week. And together we're going to be bringing you the weekly financial lowdown in downloadable form. So, Richard, what's coming up in the programme? Investing in commercial property. As property values and fund prices fall, is it time to get out? And financial advice. There's a big regulatory shake-up coming, but uh, will it actually give you a better deal? And we end with some good news and bad news on mortgage rates. Thanks, Richard. And remember, you can send in your financial questions for us to answer by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney@ft.com. But first, this week's money news. Now, those of you who listened to last week's programme will know that the pre-budget report included uh, a number of changes uh, to capital gains tax. And we covered most of them last week, but two that seem to be uh, rather harsher and perhaps rather stranger in terms of who they've targeted – uh, are the changes to employee share schemes and also um, to farmland. Richard, if we can start with the employee share schemes. Lots of people are members of these schemes, buying shares in their own companies. Um, how have they been hit? Well, yeah, I mean, all the, the press has been about uh, business owners and how they've, they're going to be faced with a, with a tax bill that's gone from effectively 10% to 18%. But obviously, people who have shares in company they don't necessarily own the company outright, but employees who've built up... Um, stakes in the company over the years. Obviously, they were treated as business assets, so they would be subject to taper relief and 10%, but now, obviously, they're going to be stuck with 18% as well. And I've been looking at this as as well, and, and one particular type of scheme that seems to be hit harder than most is the uh, Enterprise Management Incentive Scheme, the EMI scheme, uh, offered by small companies you know, with assets only up to £30 million. They offered these schemes because they couldn't compete on salary with big companies, and now the attractiveness of the share option schemes has diminished. It's going to be harder for them to compete uh, for employees. Is there a way in which you can get round this tax increase? There is, yeah. There's one very simple way, which simply involves transferring your shares into an ISA. Uh, you have 90 days to do that, and obviously once they're in the ISA, they're, they're free of all capital gains tax. 
Um, as I said, you can only do that on shares you've received recently, obviously, as you only have 90 days. Uh, Steve, uh, what else can people do if they're in an employee share scheme, or indeed if they're just a, you know, an ordinary uh, private investor holding shares, and to make use of allowances and avoid capital gains tax? Yes, I mean, for all the noise about CGT, I think it's still an eminently avoidable tax for most private investors. Everyone's got a £9,200 tax-free allowance compared to your personal allowance on income of 5200 or thereabouts. You can offset losses against gains, and to a degree you can move assets around to benefit. You could move assets to your spouse or transfer assets to your spouse or, or to a civil partner nowadays um, and benefit from their personal allowance as well. So there are a number of ways of benefiting, as Richard mentioned, the the, the um, SIPs similarly, holding assets in SIPs, if you like, SIPs are the new ICEs. There are a whole range of, of, of ways of avoiding this tax. I mean, I think the latest figures show less than 200,000 people pay it every year. So basically it's a tax that you don't necessarily have to pay if you take advantage of all of the allowances and transfers mm. that you can make. It's a voluntary tax, but it's not a kind of sleep-easy tax. It's one you've got to manage and use that allowance every year and offset those losses against gains and so on. One of the stranger targets of uh, the capital gains tax uh, uh, effective increase seems to have been farmers. Um, and, and that strikes me as quite odd, but you've been investigating. Um, what's that about? It does seem a slightly odd target. You're right. Um, farmers are disproportionately hit. At worst, they're going to face a six-figure increase in their CGT bill if they choose to sell after April. And in some cases, they could go from a situation where they would pay absolutely nothing now if they sold the farm today to a £200,000-odd bill on a farm, a, a normal, in inverted commas, farm worth about £2 million. The, the reason is they lose something called, never mind about the, the headline rate changes, it's about something called indexation allowance, which favours people with long-term gains. And, it, and it, farmers have disproportionately benefited from this indexation allowance because farmland broadly hasn't gone up in line with other assets over recent decades. So at best, this indexation allowance has made their entire gain tax-free to date. Um, from April... Indexation allowance out the window. Business asset, business asset, 10% tax goes up to 18%. So they're facing a higher tax rate on a bigger taxable gain. So it looks like we could see a number of farms up for sale before April. We could indeed, or they might indeed try and find different ways of um, divesting assets, uh, giving them to other members of families and so on. Um, of course, don't forget the whole nature of farming is it's a long-term business, not a world that moves terribly quickly. So many experts think it might just be too late to get in before April. They'll tell you it takes months to market a farm. Typically, there may only be a couple of dozen farms on the market across the entire country at the moment. So you could also see as well, if you did see that flow of uh, selling pressure, you could see an effect on prices. So more bad news for farmers then. Um, Stephen Richard, thank you very much. And if you'd like more on the capital gains tax changes and what you can do uh, to try to uh, avoid the tax, um, have a look at uh, ft.com forward slash money. 
Still to come in the programme, financial advice. Why you'll soon be dealing with a new breed of advisor. And we have some good news and bad news on mortgage rates. But first, UK commercial property. Um, Richard, you've been looking at the performance of some of the funds investing in this area, and they seem to be going in the wrong direction. They are, indeed. Yeah, for the first time in a very long time. In fact, 15 years since we last saw commercial property funds falling in value. Um, I mean, commercial property over the last few years has been the real boom sector in, in the fund management industry. Fund managers falling over themselves trying to, to launch as many new funds as possible. But um, as I said, prices are now going in the wrong direction. And in fact, Norwich Union, one of the, the biggest property fund managers, has actually had to send out a warning letter to its investors just to warn them that prices are falling and they could see a drop of 2 to 3% in their assets. Also, close investments is, is predicting a 20% fall in commercial property prices next year, which is uh, pretty dramatic. So in order to find out more, John McLeod spoke with Rob Harley at Advisor Best Invest. So, so Rob, um, some property funds have been actually mar- marking down their values and there are a lot of predictions of falling capital values. So do you think investors should be expected to make significant losses on commercial property or is this just a temporary blip or slowdown? That's a very interesting question. And uh, to a certain extent, I think uh, that depends on people's outlook for economic growth going forwards. If this turns out to be uh, a sort of a, a blip in economic growth or just a soft landing, then there's every probability that uh, what we are seeing might just turn out to be moderate losses uh, within the commercial property um, environment. Obviously, for investors in um, listed funds, We've already seen a substantial markdown in, in prices. So uh, they're tending to signal that something more serious might be in the offing. We've seen a lot of the action going on so far in commercial property funds. But a lot of investors have exposure to residential property as well through um, buy-to-let investments as well as their, own, as their own houses. I mean, could a slowdown in commercial property be a trigger for a downturn in, in residential as well? Well, at the end of the day, I, I mean, a, a lot of investors in this market are leveraged investors. So to a certain extent, they're both going to be affected by the credit crunch. We've also seen a much greater appreciation in capital values in the residential market, way, way above that which we've seen in the commercial property market. However, at the same time, a lot of commentators on the residential market will argue that there are supply restrictions in the southeast of England, which might tend to act as a prop to that particular market. Consequently, it, it, it may be that residential market ex southeast could be um, much more prone to uh, a slowdown. Okay, and I mean, in, in light of the changes to capital gains tax that is going to fall to 18% from next, next April, I mean, do you think investors should be thinking about taking some profits? Yes, certainly for investors who uh, have had, a, had exposure to uh, this particular asset class for um, several years now. It's been a good run. I mean, we have, we have been advising uh, investors to, to take some profits for several months now. Unfortunately, a lot of the open-ended funds have, have sort of began to anticipate uh, um, investor redemptions and uh, that they've moved um, their funds over to what we refer to as a bid basis, uh, which effectively means that um, investors will receive a lower price when they come to cash in their units. I believe there have been problems in the past that some funds have actually limited redemptions. Is that something that could happen if it's a big race for the door? Potentially, yes, it could. Open-ended funds tend to um, invest a proportion of their assets under management in cash and property securities 
to provide liquidity in the event that investors wish to redeem units. All of these funds have the right to defer redemptions to raise cash assets should it come to that. Do we expect that? Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, property funds have been heavily marketed uh, over the last few years. On average, these funds tend to have about sort of 35% of their total assets in these more liquid securities. So it will take a fairly serious run on these funds for that sort of situation to occur. That was Rob Harley of Advisors Best Invest. And for more on commercial property, visit ft.com forward slash money. Coming up, we have good news and bad news on mortgages. Before that, though, financial advice. Um, Steve, there are going to be some changes to how we get advice. Uh, can you fill listeners in on the background to this? Yes, Matthew. Callum McCarthy, boss of the Financial Services Authority, the big financial watchdog in the UK, he's been conducting a huge review of how we get financial advice and how we buy financial products. It's called the Retail Distribution Review, or RDR to those in the know, and there's a consultation period lasting until the end of the year. It's aimed at making advice truly independent, with better qualified advisors receiving fees, not commissions. But that all sounds uh, tremendously good on paper. But I suppose what everyone wants to know is uh, what about uh, on the high street? Will you notice a difference? So I thought I'd try to find out uh, ahead of the uh, consultation period ending. So I spoke to Andrew Fisher, who's the CEO of Towery Law. So, Andrew, financial advice in the UK is potentially going to change quite dramatically under the Retail Distribution Review, but I think a number of listeners will be forgiven for not really knowing what this is, what its aims are, and what the implications are. Can you tell us more? Surely. The Retail Distribution Review came about really after a speech from Callum McCarthy in uh, Glen Eagles two years ago when um, he uh, opined that the retail distribution industry itself was suffering at a number of levels. Firstly, he felt that um, advisors weren't um, servicing clients correctly, that clients themselves were suffering detriment as a consequence of the um, paucity of advice and the remuneration structures that um, were, were driving that advice, and that finally that life providers themselves were um, not being run correctly from the point of view of the advice being given. And so the Retail Distribution Review set out to uh, address these areas. It's currently in its um, discussion phase, and it's come through with a a series of very interesting observations as to how this market could be uh, run in a much more efficient manner and certainly better for the customer. And when it goes beyond its discussion phase and it's, uh, it actually becomes implemented, what difference could it make to the sorts of people that uh, will be giving financial advice? Who will you, know, you and I as customers be talking to? The drive at the moment, uh, and, and hopefully one that will um, end up being the, uh, the final advice, is that in order for someone to be independent, they have to be professionally qualified. And what we mean by that is that they would have to have advanced qualifications, which are equivalent to a degree level in um, financial planning and investment management, um, which is um, substantially in contrast to the current situation where the bare minimum qualifications are required. Um, which are called Financial Planning Certificate 1, 2 and 3, which are very straightforward to pass and, and require but a few weeks. So potentially we'll be dealing with far better qualified individuals who know an awful lot more about the investments on which they're providing advice. One of the contentious issues in the past has been the way in which these individuals are paid and the influence um, of commission or the influence it could potentially have. Will that change also? 
Yes, again, in order for someone to um, have the moniker of being truly independent, uh, a professional independent um, planner, that person will have to be remunerated on a fee basis, and this will have a radical change in the industry. It's, it's obviously something Tarry Law embraced some time ago, and, and we are already 100% fee-based. But in order for someone in the future to give truly independent advice, they will have to be professionally qualified and be fee-based in terms of their remuneration, which obviously will um, prevent there being a, a bias from the provider point of view. And moving to fees rather than commission will potentially open up different types of investment for advisors to, to recommend that they might otherwise have shied away from because there was no, no money in it, basically. I, I think, again, once you um, take away the shackles of having to sell a product to a client but actually you can give them appropriate advice, which, again, is the way that we operate today, um, then you can start looking at what we call holistic financial planning, which covers both the, the financial planning structures put in place, i.e. the old life-type products, but also the investment management approach itself on a discretionary basis. And this will open up dramatically new areas for clients to have a, a much more appropriate way of managing their wealth on an ongoing basis. What it will also lead to, I would hope, is uh, people adopting a model which is uh, similar to ours, whereby the advisor spends most of their time understanding what client needs are from a risk-return point of view, but don't um, select the managers themselves. Those management selection processes are carried out internally within the organization by experts who spend their lives studying markets, fund managers, asset allocation processes, um, which can then relate back to the, the most appropriate advice. So advice will become more experts, uh, it'll be paid for in terms of fees. Uh, when can we hope to see this brave new dawn for financial advice? Well, we embarked on this whole process 18 months ago, um, and uh, we, we feel we're in a position now to meet all of the RDR requirements today. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the industry is going to take a little while to catch up. We would expect that the FSA will, will opine um, during the course of next year, and hopefully by the end of next year, there will be a, a situation where the industry starts to um, come into line with true professional financial advice. Well, that's going to be an awful lot of good news for everyone listening to this programme. So, Andrew, thanks very much. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Andrew Fisher of Towery Law. And finally today, good news, bad news. Um, Steve, uh, some good news on mortgage rates. They seem to be getting better if you can get them. Yes, exactly. For all the talk of the credit crisis, um, we're actually seeing some pretty cheap mortgage rates in the prime market. That's listeners, not those awful subprime people. Um, and frankly, the fixed rates and variable rates are pretty similar um, so you're not having to pay a premium for fix on the one side. But then again, if you think rates are going to fall, and that's what most commentators are saying now, base rates are going to fall at some point this year, then what you want to be doing is to probably tying yourself into a variable, but a special type of variable, a tracker rate, where the mortgage lender has to pass on that rate cut. There's a real danger that if, if base rates do fall, that won't actually be passed on where the lender has uh, discretion. Okay, so some good news then on uh, the rates that are available, but Richard, what's the, what's the bad news here? Well, the bad news is that there's just far fewer rates around. Um, obviously, mortgage market has been booming along with property prices, so lenders have been launching products left, right and centre, but uh, in the last few months, they've actually, well, the last few weeks, the number has actually dropped dramatically. There are now 40% less mortgages on the market, and most of those are in the subprime, but still almost 20% in the prime market. So an awful lot less to, to choose from. Uh, Steve, any particularly good deals out there currently available? Well, one or two. Um, an Abbey, a, a two-year fix, 5.58, up to 80% loan-to-value. 
but one of those big thumping fee, fees that seem to be all too prevalent nowadays, £995 fee, £995, yes, £1,000 in old money. Um, <laughs> National counties, 5.64 for a five-year fix. Now, that's pretty cheap for the guarantee. Um, but you are back to the situation, the question of where do you think rates are going to go? In the short term, they may well fall, so good argument for trackers. But, of course... If you think there's just uncertainty out there in all sorts of ways, housing market uncertainty, economic uncertainty, and then therefore ultimately base rate uns- uh, interest rate un- instability, then um, a five-year fix at just under current base is really not bad historically. So peace of mind uh, could be important if it is. Go and get one of these deals while it lasts. Indeed. Excellent. Well... Thank you both very much, and that's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember that you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com, and we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And me. And it's goodbye from our podcast producers, Blue Barracuda. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.